Gospels this evening. <coughs> Turn to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis 27 this evening. And let's pick it up from uh, verse 18. As we begin, refresh our minds on what we were looking at last Sunday. Genesis 27 and verse 18. It says, and he came unto his father, and his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me. And I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. For the people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Let's open in a word of prayer. <laughs> Dear Lord, now, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that we can uh, come together and spend time around your word. Lord, as we... Uh, conclude chapter 27 this evening, pray that you would just speak to our hearts, you would teach us uh, through the passage that is before us. Lord, I pray that you would empower me now through the Spirit, you would give me wisdom and guidance, Lord, that only you can give, that it would be your words, it would be your thoughts this evening, and that, Lord, we would, uh, Lord, leave this place singing your praises, having been blessed and refreshed by your word this evening, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, of course, uh, we started looking at this well-known passage last Sunday, uh, both in the morning and in the evening service. In the morning, we talked about the determination of Isaac and Rebekah. We saw that Isaac was determined to thwart God's will, to go against the will of God. He knew that Jacob was God's choice, <clears throat> both because of the prophecy when the the boys were still in their mother's womb, you know, the elder shall serve the younger, but also because of the carnal nature of his eldest son Esau. It was clear that Esau had been rejected. He was not God's choice. He was not the one to receive the blessing. But Isaac was still determined that he was going to bless his favorite and go against the will of God. Rebecca, on the other hand, she was determined to see God's will be done. Now again, she knew that Jacob was God's choice and therefore she sprang into action to prevent her husband from going against the will of God. 
Now, her motivation, as we talked about, was right, but she went about it the wrong way. You know, she thought that she needed to help God accomplish his will. You know, she needed to help God overcome this obstacle. She lacked faith. She lacked patience to wait upon the Lord. And then in the evening, we talked about Jacob's part in all this, and we saw that like his mother, Jacob was a spiritually minded man. He was concerned that God's will be done, but he sinned in seeking to make God's will happen. You know, we talked about how he carried out his mother's plan. He went into his father's tent. He pretended to be his brother. He lied, and in doing so, he sinned. Okay, lying deception is sin, and so he sinned against the Lord. And both Jacob and Rebekah, they, they should have taken this problem to the Lord in prayer. But instead, they took matters into their own hands. They sought to overcome this obstacle in man's wisdom. And now this evening, we want to consider the conclusion uh, to this event. And we'll see Isaac and Esau's reaction to the deception when it is uncovered or when it is revealed. But first of all, here we see Jacob blessed. We see Jacob blessed, and we read that in verse 26 uh, to 29. It says in verse 26, And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. In verse 26, we see that Jacob, having uh, succeeded in convincing his father that he is Esau, he's now called by his father to come near and to uh, kiss him. Okay, this is in verse 26. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. Now this kiss was a sign of uh, affection and reverence, respect for his father. But it also gave Isaac the opportunity to smell uh, his son, okay, to satisfy his sense of smell. We talked about how he might have been blind, but his other senses still worked, and you know, his sense of smell was one of them. And in verse 27, it says that he smelled the smell of his raiment, and he recognized Esau's smell. Okay, verse 27, it says, And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. Okay, he comes near, he smells the raiment, and uh, smells like Esau. As we said last week, he's wearing Esau's clothes for this very purpose, to add to this deception. And upon his sense of smell being satisfied, Isaac now breaks forth in pronouncing the blessing upon Jacob, fully believing that he's talking to Esau. Okay, as we just read there, the end of verse 27 through to 29, this is the blessing that he now pronounces upon Jacob. Now, this was, of course, no ordinary blessing. This was not just an ordinary blessing that a father might give to his eldest son. This was the blessing, okay? the blessing from the Lord. This is the blessing that was first given unto Abraham and was then passed down to Isaac, uh, his son. And this is clear from the words that are spoken by Isaac here at its conclusion. Okay, at the end of verse 29 there, it says, Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. 
These words are basically a quote of God's original promise to Abraham when he was first called out of the land of Ur. Just go back there uh, to chapter 12 with me, Genesis 12. Genesis 12 and verse 3 says, And I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. It's basically a quote okay, of those words that God spoke to Abraham when he first called him to leave his home in the earth of the Chaldees. And so this is not just any blessing. Okay? Isaac here is hoping to give unto I, uh, to Esau, Esau sorry. He's hoping to give unto him the blessing that his father had given to him, the blessing from God, the blessing that contains all the covenant promises. That's what he wants to give to Esau, and that's what he pronounces here to Jacob. Now, Morris notes this, he says, God, who had made his solemn covenant with Abraham and had renewed it with Isaac, uh, certainly was present on this occasion. Indeed, the Lord was present. Okay, he's present here as Isaac speaks these words. He's present, and Isaac now speaks prophetically over Jacob these words as he pronounces this blessing. Now, we remember he's fully unaware of what he's doing. He, he believes he's speaking to Esau, that he's pronouncing these words above Esau. But it ends up being a prophetic blessing upon Jacob as God intended. Now, before Isaac gets to speaking about the spiritual aspect of the blessing, which we just saw there at the end of verse 29, he begins these words by referring to the material and the political aspects of the blessing. And really, you know, these were the only aspects of the blessing that would have been of any interest to carnal Esau. Okay, these are the things that he would have been interested in. These are the things that he wanted. In verse 28, we see the material blessings. Um, we'll start at the end of verse 27 there. It says, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. And so here are the, the material blessings. Okay, Dew of heaven, fatness of the earth, plenty of corn and wine. Isaac here asked the Lord to bless his son with the bounty of the land. And in particular here, he's talking about the land of Canaan, okay? the land that was promised to Abraham, promised to Isaac, and now promised to Jacob. But remember, he's thinking he's talking to Esau. Okay? And so he asked the Lord to bless him with the bounty of the land, that he would experience the bountiful blessings of dwelling in this rich land that God had promised unto his chosen people. And then at the start of verse 29, he pronounces a blessing of political prosperity. Verse 29, it says, Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. And so there's this political prosperity as well, this aspect of the blessing. Okay, That his descendants would prevail over the nations around them. They would be a, a, a power in the region. They would have political success. And, and of course, Jacob's descendants, Israel, did have that success to varying degrees as they obeyed the Lord. But they had that political success over the nations around them, fulfilling this aspect of the blessing. And then Isaac declares the blessing of having dominion over his brother. Okay, in verse 29 again it says, Let people serve thee, <clears throat> nations bow down to thee, be lord over thy brethren, 
and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Okay, in the middle of the verse it says, Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. And I remember that Isaac here, he believes he's speaking to Esau as he says these words. And so this yet again shows us how Isaac here is deliberately trying to thwart the will of God. Okay? God had said, the elder shall serve the younger. And Isaac here tries to declare the very opposite. Okay, he tries to declare that Esau would prevail over his brother. But of course, God had overruled him, and the blessing fell as it should upon Jacob. And the blessing concludes with the words that we saw earlier, Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. This is the spiritual aspect of the blessing. This is the, uh, the blessing declaring that God would be with him, God would bless him, and God would protect him. He'd have his hand of protection upon him and his descendants. Now, a declaration, if you like, that God would fulfill the covenant promises to Jacob and his descendants. You know, Isaac, he attempted to thwart God's plan, and we talked about that last Sunday morning extensively, but in the end, Jacob, God's choice, is blessed. God's sovereign will was done. Commentator Boyce writes this. He says, The point is that the sovereign will of God is done in spite of our or any other person's opposition to it. Now that really is the, the point, isn't it? God's sovereign will was done in spite of Isaac and, and his sin, in spite of Esau and his sin, in spite of Jacob and Rebekah and, and their sin as well. God God's sovereign will was done and Jacob was blessed as God had intended. And now we see secondly, we see Isaac's response. We see Isaac here trembling. Let's just read from verse 30. It says, And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. <clears throat> you see Isaac here, he's trembling. Now in verse 30 here, we learn just how close the, the timing of all this really is. You see, as Jacob leaves the tent, after just receiving the blessing, we're told that Esau returns. And so the timing here is very close, isn't it? Read verse 30 again, it says, And it came to pass... As soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. So they basically almost cross paths, don't they? It's very close to the timing of all of this. And verse 31 tells us that Esau, he's likewise prepared a, a meal. He's obviously found something on his hunt. He's prepared this meal of fine venison for his father, and he comes in expecting now the blessing. Okay, verse 31. And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father. 
and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of my son's venison, that, my, that thy soul may bless me. You know, as we read verse 31, we, we get a sense of anticipation in Esau's voice. Okay? He is anticipating this. He is looking forward to this. You know, he says, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. There's an eager anticipation here. You see, although he had despised his birthright in chapter 25, selling it to his brother, and he had no interest in the spiritual aspects of the blessing, and we've talked about that, he did understand enough about the blessing to know that it would include material and political aspects as well. And that really is the aspect of the blessing that we we sense here carnal Esau is looking forward to. You know, and getting one up over his brother too. He's really looking forward to that. He's focused upon that and he is excited to receive it. Now Morris says in regards to this, he says, he did not have enough conf- sorry, he did have enough confidence in the God of his father to realize that God's word in this respect would be fulfilled. This feature of the blessing he wanted most earnestly. You see, he understood enough about his father's God to know that if he got this blessing, the material, the political aspects would come true. And he wanted that. He, he wanted these things. He desired them most earnestly. And so he returns with anticipation, happy that his father has decided he's going to give the blessing to him. And he announces his presence with great expectation. He says, Arise and eat that thy soul may bless me. And it comes as a surprise then, that when he says this, his father asks, who's there? Verse 32. It says, and Isaac, his father, said unto him, who art thou? That must have been surprising for Esau to hear. You know, that wasn't what he's expecting, was it? You know, he'd been sent out by his father into the field to go hunting, to find some venison and come back. And, and so he's expecting his father to be waiting for his arrival, to be ready for him to come. But even though he's not expecting this, he nevertheless responds. He says at the end of verse 32, I am thy son, thy firstborn, Esau. And so he declares his presence, he declares who he is. And it's when Isaac hears this response that it dawns upon him what has taken place. It dawns upon him what has taken place and he is overcome with emotion. Look in verse 33. It says, And Isaac trembled, very exceedingly and said who where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me and I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him yea and he shall be blessed at the start of verse 33 it says and Isaac trembled very exceedingly now this is a strong phrase in the Hebrew and it translates something like Isaac trembled most excessively with a great trembling you can translate it word for word. Okay, it's Isaac trembled with, with sorry, Isaac trembled most excessively with a great trembling. He's overcome here with emotion and stress and at the realization of what's taken place. Most importantly, this emotion comes from the fact that he realized that God had overruled him. God had overruled his selfish plans. Morris writes this, The truth suddenly came home to Isaac like a mighty blast of icy wind. In spite of all of his intentions, God had overruled 
and he had blessed Jacob instead of Esau. It hits him like this icy blast as he realizes God is in control and God has done his will. God has overruled him. Likewise, Gusick, he writes this, Isaac was troubled because he knew he had tried to work against the plan God had revealed in Genesis 25, verse 23, and God had beaten him. At this moment, Isaac realized he would always lose when he tried to resist God's will, even when he didn't like God's will. And he came to learn that despite his arrogance against God's will, God's will was glorious. You know, he trembles here as he realizes his sin. You know, he he knew he was disobeying God, but he realizes now what he actually did. And he realizes the power of God, that God has turned it around and God has done exactly what he wanted to do. You know, he probably also trembled because he realized how gracious God was to him in all this. You see, the consequences of his sinful rebellion could have been much worse, couldn't it? It could have been far worse. But God was gracious to him, wasn't he? And God just uh, turns it all around, so he blesses Jacob. Now, he used, as we saw last week, the deception, yes. God used this wrong to accomplish his purpose. But God's will was done, and he trembles now as he sees the power of God, and he realizes that he had tried to go against the plan of God and sin against Almighty God. Now, it's interesting that when we read this account in the New Testament, Isaac is said to have acted in faith. Let's just turn over there. Here is 11. Here is 11 verse 20. It says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Hebrews 11 verse 20, the writer says that by faith he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now as we read chapter 27 there, it doesn't really seem like he's doing much by faith, does it? How do we see his faith here in Genesis 27? Well, his faith is seen at the end of verse 33. In Genesis 27 there, the end of verse 33, it says, Yea, I will start in ver- uh, start. We'll just read the whole verse. It says, And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. You see, this is where we see his faith. Because he now accepts that God's will will be done. He says, Yea, and he will be blessed. He shall be blessed. You see, this was a right reaction from Isaac, wasn't it? It was a right, right reaction. He, he realized his sin before God. He admitted his sin. He, he trembled before God. And in faith, he acknowledged God's choice. He acknowledged that Jacob was God's choice. And in faith, he acknowledged that God would bless him and God's will would be done. And so his reaction was the right one. The right one in the face of his guilt, in the face of his sin. His reaction was the right one. But Esau's reaction is completely different, isn't it? Esau's reaction is completely different. And that's our third point this evening. We see Esau's despair and bitterness. Esau's despair and bitterness. Look in verse 34. It says, And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me. 
even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times, and took away my birthright. And behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine I have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the Jew of heaven from above, and by thy sword <clears throat> shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass that thou shalt have dominion, <clears throat> sorry, it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing, but with his father had blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. His reaction is totally different, isn't it? It's one of utter despair and bitterness at what's taken place. And in verse 34, we see that when he hears his father's words, he cries out with a bitter cry, and he begs for his father to bless him. Okay, read verse 34 again with me. It says, And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. He cries out with his bitter cry. <clears throat> now the agony that's expressed here was not over the spiritual blessing. And we've, we've talked about that. He didn't care for that at all. The agony was over the material and the political aspects. He wanted these and he cries out in agony and he begs for his father to still bless him. You know, you get the impression that he's asking his father to retract his words, which he said over Jacob, retract them. You didn't mean to do that. Give the blessing to me. He wants his father to bless him anyway. You see, Isaac understood that he could never change it even if he wanted to. We just saw him say that at the end of verse 33, yea, and he shall be blessed. He understood that he couldn't change it. It was God's will. It was God's choice. Isaac knew it was from the Lord. He knew Jacob would be blessed. There was nothing he could do. There was nothing Esau could do to change it. And so he simply states to Esau in verse 35 that his brother has taken his blessing through deception. In verse 35 he says, And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and have taken away thy blessing. That's the only response he gives him. You know, he's taking away thy blessing. There's nothing I can do about it. And Esau's response to this is one of bitterness. He blames Jacob for all of his problems. Look in verse 36. It says, And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? He blames Jacob for all of his problems. You know, this is typical, isn't it, of someone walking in sin, someone living a carnal, fleshly life, they blame everybody else. Esau here turns around and he blames 
Jacob and he becomes bitter towards Jacob. He blames Jacob, he says, for supplanting him on two occasions, taking his birthright and now his blessing. Now, there are some serious problems with those accusations, aren't there? Now, the first being that, as we saw in chapter 25, Jacob didn't supplant him. He didn't deceive him out of his birthright at all, did he? Esau willingly gave up his, his birthright. He despised it, the word of God says. He despised his birthright and he sold it to Jacob willingly. He wasn't supplanted. He wasn't deceived out of it. The blame was Esau's, not Jacob's. And the second problem for these accusations is that he says here, and now he hath taken away my blessing. Esau declares that it's his blessing. When most likely he knew that God said it wasn't. Okay, he's 77 years old by now. I'm sure he knew what God had said when they were in his, in his mother's womb. The older shall serve the younger. And so he knew it wasn't his. The blessing never belonged to Esau. You understand that? The blessing never belonged to him. It was never his. Yes, Jacob had used deception to ensure that his father gave him the blessing as was God's will. But Jacob had not supplanted Esau. He had not supplanted Esau at all because it didn't belong to him. Can't deceive and steal something from someone that doesn't belong to him. It belonged to him in the first place. But you know, Esau here is filled with bitterness and frustration towards his brother and he fails to acknowledge his own sin. That's his biggest problem here. He doesn't humble himself. He doesn't acknowledge his own sin. He doesn't acknowledge that he despised his birthright as being something that was worthless and so he sold it to his brother for a bowl of stew. He doesn't acknowledge his sin in trying to take something that God had said didn't belong to him. You see, unlike his father, there is no acceptance here from Esau of God's choice. There is no acceptance here of God's will. At the end of verse 36, we see him once again pleading for a blessing. He says, and he said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac responds to this in verse 37 by again telling him it's too late. He says in verse 37, and Isaac answered and said unto him, Esau, behold, sorry, and said unto Esau, behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him, and what shall I do now unto thee, my son? Now Isaac responds by telling him it's too late. You know, for the second time, he's already told him once, but he tells him again it's too late. The portion of the blessing that he so desired. You know, as you read verse 37 there, he says, I've made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. They're the things that Esau wanted. And he says, I've already given them to Jacob. I've already given those blessings to him. God's already given them to Jacob. And Esau's response is to yet again beg for a blessing and cry out in verse 38. It says, And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me. Even me also, O my father, and Esau lifted up his voice and wept. He cries out yet again. He's weeping here as he seeks a blessing. Morris writes this, The portion of the blessing in which Esau was most interested, that of political superiority, had been given irrevocably to Jacob, and all Esau's crying could not change the situation. 
And that's the point here. He could cry out in despair all he wanted, but it was not going to change God's will. It was not going to change God's will concerning the matter. God had made his choice. You know, one commentator noted this. He said, Esau's tears were tears of frustrated selfishness, not regret for his own sin and despising of his birthright. There's no tears here over his sin. There's no regret over his sin, no repentance. These are tears of frustrated selfishness. There's no regenerate repentance of heart. These are tears that because he had not got what he wanted. In Genesis chapter, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament, this whole occasion is used as a, a warning. Let's just turn over to Hebrews 12. <clears throat> Hebrews 12. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 15. It says, looking diligently... Lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, before a morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now Esau, he lived his life as a profane man, a carnal, fleshly man. It was epitomized by the fact that he'd sold his birthright as something that was worthless to his brother for a bowl of stew. He despised the spiritual and now, now that he wanted the blessing and he pleaded for it with tears, it was too late. It was too late. God had rejected Esau and God had chosen Jacob because of their hearts. You know, Weasby writes this, Esau's tears were not tears of repentance for being an ungodly man. They were tears of regret because he lost the covenant blessing. Esau wanted the blessing, but he didn't want to be the kind of man who God could bless. That's so important. He wanted the blessing, aspects of the blessing, but he didn't want to be a man that God could bless. You know, it's sad that so often, you know, as believers, we are the same. You know, we want God to bless us, but at the same time, we want to live for ourselves. You know, the reality is that God pours out his blessing upon the pure in hearts, upon those who are of a broken and contrite spirit, broken and contrite hearts. It's those who seek after him earnestly, diligently. It's not upon those who live for themselves. God blesses the pure in hearts. You know, when we live for ourselves, when we live to, for the for the flesh, the pleasures of this life, we are like Esau despising our inheritance, aren't we? We're despising our inheritance. We're despising that which God wants to give unto us and we're selling it, if you like, for a, a morsel of meat, aren't we? We're despising that which God wants to give to us. In verses 39 to 40 now, we see that Isaac does end up pronouncing a prophecy concerning Esau. Let's just turn back there and Read those verses. Verse 39. <clears throat> it says, And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass that, <clears throat> so come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. You see finally that you know, Isaac does open his mouth and he does pronounce a prophecy 
over Esau. Now, he's evidently led by the Lord here as he speaks concerning Esau, but particularly concerning his descendants. Now, in contrast to Jacob and his descendants who would dwell in the, the region of Canaan and they would dwell in this rich land, this land flowing with milk and honey, Esau and his descendants would dwell away from the region that was fertile and well watered, away from those wonderful places upon the earth. Now, as you read the words in verse 39, where it says there, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. It does at first seem to be a, a positive statement, doesn't it? But in fact, the Hebrew seems to indicate that the meaning is, Thy dwelling shall be away from the fatness of the earth and away from the dew from, of heaven from above. You see, Morris writes this, the words away from should be inserted. This was fulfilled by the very nature of the rugged region that came to be known as the land of Edom. It's a prophecy concerning where his descendants would end up. They end up in that arid region where the Edomites lived, this place that was totally opposite to the land of Canaan. This place that was fertile, this place that had the dew of heaven from above. It was a wonderful land. But the Edomites ended up in this arid region just as this prophecy declared. His descendants dwelling in a place far from the bountiful place of blessing which God bestowed upon his brother. And it wasn't enough. Then in verse 40 it says, And thy sword, sorry, and by thy sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass that thou shalt, when thou shalt have the dominion, thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Verse 40 then goes on and says that he will live by the sword, while his descendants will live by the sword, and they will serve Israel. You know, this was fulfilled. The Edomites spent most of their, their time in subjection to the Israelites until finally they rebelled and they won their freedom when Joram was king of Judah. Let's just go quickly to 2 Kings. <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 8. Second Kings eight, <clears throat> verse twenty. Second <clears throat> Kings eight, verse twenty. It says, "In his days, Edom revolted from under the hand of Judah, and made a king over themselves. So Joram went over to Zair, and all the chariots with him. And he arose by night and smote the Edomites which compassed him about, and the captain of the chariots. And the people fled into their tents. Yet Edom revolted from under the hand of, the, of Judah unto this day. Then." Libna revolted at the same time. And so they spent most of their time in and out of subjection to Israel until finally they broke the yoke uh, when Joram was king of Judah. Again, God's word concerning Esau was fulfilled. And the chapter then concludes telling us of Esau's bitter hatred towards his brother from that day onwards. Let's just go back and read from verse 41. It says, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him, and Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her eldest son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob her youngest son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau is touching thee, doth comfort himself, proposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. And tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away, until thy brother's anger turn away from thee. 
and he forget that which thou hast done to him, then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of, uh, of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Esau was full of hatred and bitterness from that day onwards, as we saw there in verse 41. Determined now that he's going to kill his own brother. You know, we see that there's still no acknowledgement of his sin, still no humility here, still no repentance. There's just the pointing of the finger at his brother. And as a result, as we just read, Jacob, he flees and he goes to dwell with his uncle Laban. And Rebecca initially thinks that this will only be for a few days until her until his brother calms down. But it ends up being over 20 years. And from all accounts, Rebecca never sees Jacob again. You know, this evening we've seen two very different reactions to learning of Jacob's deception. You know, Isaac, he trembled. He trembled as he realized that God had overruled his own selfish plans. He realized that he couldn't go against God. And he acknowledged God's choice of Jacob, he humbled himself and acknowledged the Lord. Esau, on the other hand, he was full of bitterness. He's full of anger towards his brother. He failed to acknowledge his sin and instead he blamed his brother for his problems. You know, Esau is a sad example of what happens when we live for the physical. When we live for the, 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 the temporal things of this life, the fleshly pleasures of life, this is what happens to us. We become consumed by these things and we we turn away from the blessings of the law. We miss out on so much that God has for us. You know, Esau, he had a lot going his way, didn't he? You know, he's one of two sons of, of Isaac. He had a lot going his way. But he missed out on all the blessings because his heart was not right before the Lord. You know, he ended up instead full of bitterness and anger towards his brother. You know, it's so important that, beloved, we set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. You know, the pursuit of earthly treasures, the pursuit of the physical, will only leave us with regret, like Esau. We'll look back and we'll regret what we've done because we missed out on so much. You know, perhaps it might even leave us bitter and anger towards, angry towards others. Destroy our lives because we've lived for the flesh. We've walked in the flesh instead of walking in the spirits. You know, as believers, let us not despise our inheritance let's earnestly seek after the spiritual. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word once again this evening. And Lord, I pray that you would indeed help us, Lord, to Lord, learn from Esau, a man who had so much going his way, but threw it all away in the pursuit of fleshly pleasures. Lord, may we not despise our own inheritance, or the blessings that you want to disp uh, uh, display in our lives, you want to give to us as believers. Lord, may we seek indeed after the spiritual, not after the, the carnal pleasures of this life. Lord, may you bless now as we close. The work in our hearts we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.